Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. I am pleased to be joined by John Kratz, who is very experienced in the world of sales. He spent 18 years in business development at companies like Lando Lake and Pillsbury. And then he went into academia at the University of Minnesota Duluth, spent 20 years as sales program director, also taught marketing, just recently retired. And he's also the co-founder of storyseekers.us. And we're going to dive into the realm of storytelling and how that relates to sales, how that relates to job hunting. And, you know, at Crash, we're talking a lot about tell your story, not your status, and connect to people through the camera, through your video pitch, and create value starting with the power of the story. So welcome, John. And I would love to start off with your story. You're sort of uh, breaking into your own career starting to do some door-to-door sales, I believe. Would love to hear uh, your own story. Well, well, thank you, Joel. It's an honor to be here on your podcast. Uh, the, the, the little bit of the backstory, I'll get into my story, but a little of the backstory of how you and I got connected is I saw Isaac Morehouse, your founder, interviewed on Tucker Carlson on Fox News, and I actually cold called him. And surprisingly, he got back to me. A lot of founders and CEOs don't do that. But he did get back to me. And the next thing I know, we're having this conversation. I love CrashCo's mission. I love what you're about. I think there's a lot that's broken with higher ed. I know because I served 23 years in higher ed. And if there's anything I can do to support CrashCo, that's why I'm here. So uh, anyways, with that preamble, I'd like to talk a little about my story. I'm I'm an old geezer, as you can tell. My uh, hair's gray. My, my beard's getting grayer every day. Uh, but my my story, I'll start with uh, 1980. I was graduated uh, actually from the University of Minnesota Duluth, where I ended up coming back and teaching. And uh, I was not a very good college student, Joel. I think my cumulative uh, GPA was 2.96. And my major was uh, communications. I initially went to college thinking I was going to be an accounting major. And then I ran into a course called cost accounting. And it didn't take me long to decide I didn't want to be in accounting. And quite frankly, I I really didn't have good focus in school. I was there more for the social side of college life. Didn't really take my academics that seriously. Fortunately, school wasn't that expensive back then. We didn't have to incur debt. I was able to work part-time as a waiter and pay pretty much 100% of my uh, total college costs, as we know that. That has changed quite significantly over the years. But uh, so I worked my way in a restaurant and I didn't have any uh, job prospects. It was 1980. The unemployment rate was uh, 10%, which which is higher than the unemployment today in a pandemic world. Inflation was 10% and a 30-year fixed mortgage was 17.5%. And let's just say there weren't a lot of good prospects. And I waited on a woman who was the head of human resources at Land Lakes Consumer Foods Division. And she asked me, she must have liked my waiting experience. And she asked me if I'd be interested in selling butter, Land Lakes butter. 
And I can tell you my mother's vision of me growing up wasn't to be a butter salesman, but uh, I didn't have much uh, prospects for employment. And so I decided to take it. And I didn't know anything about consumer food manufacturing. I didn't know anything about butter other than I knew that butter ultimately came from cows. But uh, <laughs> they sent me to butter school. And I learned everything you'd ever want to know about butter. And uh, I, I was passionate about land lakes. My grandmother had land lakes in uh, her refrigerator, and I thought it was a great brand. And as it turned out, it was really a great stepping stone into a great career. Uh, as I really got immersed into uh, food manufacturing, food distribution, selling through channel, it was just a, a real learning course. But you never know where your opportunity is going to arise. So. Anyways, I, I, my claim to fame is uh, one year I sold 3 million pounds of butter, which would uh, be the equivalent of driving up the highway and having 86 semi-trucks back-to-back loaded with butter. But there you go. Everything's better with butter. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 100%. I think I've had like four tablespoons of butter so far today already. Great. But- so that was kind of my story you know, in terms of being at the age where a lot of your clients are in the same boat. And and so it was just circumstance and luck of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So, well, first of all, did, did they ask you about your 2.96 GPA? You know, it's interesting. They never did ask me. I, I, I got to tell you, I really wanted to round up the 3.0. Yeah. But I never did. I, I stuck to that. But no, they never asked me about my GPA. Yeah. So even even back in the day, no one really cared about that. They cared about your attitude and you didn't know much about the product at the beginning, um, but you had uh, an attitude, I assume, that this, this HR person saw. Um, but tell us about those sort of soft skills that you developed and, and where you started from and the first time you ever even made a sale or attempted a sale and facing that failure that I'm sure you faced at the beginning. Sure. Well, you know, going back to, you know, I I love to tell students of mine that have worked as bartenders or any kind of customer facing role, whether it's retail, whether it's waitressing. I was a waiter and I was working in an extremely high volume restaurant. As a matter of fact, uh, it was the highest gross volume restaurant in the state of Minnesota at the time I was working there. And one thing that really taught me was being able to meet people. Uh, being able to converse with strangers, being able to make an emotional connection with people I didn't know. And it didn't take me long to figure out that the better service that I provided, the greater my tips. And so it was really about trying to create an experience for my customers, trying to be timely, trying to be very good in terms of delivering a quality product, uh, helping them have the best, most enjoyable experience that they could possibly have in the restaurant. And I actually took a pay decrease, by the way, uh, to go work for Land Lakes based on uh, my tips. But that was kind of the mindset I had going forward was, how can I help people? How can I help people solve problems? How can I help people achieve a business objective, satisfy a need? Or or, or in other words, I, I, I was... I understood early that it really wasn't so much about the product as much it was as about the outcomes that people wanted. So, you know, sell outcomes, don't sell the product. Yeah, it's interesting how we sort of soak up by osmosis growing up that sales is somehow this win-lose transaction and that the salesperson just cares about himself or herself. But really, the effective salesperson is doing what you just described, which is 
thinking from the customer's perspective, how can I make an incredible experience for that customer? And the more you serve others, the more you serve yourself and it creates this win-win. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. I think one thing to keep in mind, you know, if you think about companies, whether it's IBM, Salesforce, Oracle, Apple, Microsoft, if you're in sales for those kinds of companies, you are Microsoft walking in the door. Their first impression of Microsoft, if they've never been to Redmond, uh, Washington, to Microsoft's corporate headquarters, they they only know Microsoft from the people that they interact with at Microsoft. So it's really, as a salesperson, you're the brand ambassador for the company. 100%. So tell us about this, your, your, your 20 plus years as a, an educator, sure. teaching or directing the sales program, which is very, very uh, rare. Um, I right. think it, it, since you started it, it, it's perhaps grown a bit across the, you know, the university world, but generally speaking, it's very uncommon to have a sales program in uh, undergraduate or any, any sort of academic environment. So tell, tell us about what, what that looked like and the sort of mindsets you were teaching and the projects students were engaging in. And, um, you know, maybe some of the challenges that came up with, with that mindset where students may be in that sort of, sort of typical, schooled mindset of waiting for directions or trying to just complete assignments? Um, how did you help um, foster the sales mindset? Sure. Um, I, 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 that's a great question. And I'm glad that you kind of focused on mindset because that was one of three pillars uh, that we had in our program. Uh, I, I'm just going to back up a little bit with the story of, of how the program got off the ground. There's a little bit of a background uh, there's about 4,000 universities in the United States that offer some kind of uh, business course or business curriculum or business schools. Of the 4,000 universities in the U.S. today, there's only about 200 universities that offer two or more courses in sales. So that means market penetration is under 4%. So you're right. It is quite rare. It's not common. About 10 years ago, so this is, you know, remember, I had a 23-year career in academia, so this is about halfway into my academic career, I started looking at placement data from our university, and I was looking across a multitude of majors, accounting, finance, marketing, human resource management. I was even looking at some of the engineering uh, placement data, and I and I observed just kind of a, a, a interesting phenomenon, which is as I looked at the survey data and I looked at the name of the respondents, the title of the position in the company that they were working at, I realized that about 50% of all college majors, regardless of major, actually work in a customer-facing role at some point in their career. And then I was able to confirm that with data from the Sales Education Foundation which is a non-for-profit organization dedicated to advancing higher ed uh, sales education. And it just, it just floored me that here we had all these business schools, 50% of our students were going into customer-facing roles. Notice I didn't use the S word there, sales, customer-facing roles. And we didn't offer a sales course. And so we ended up uh, we ended up launching the major. We actually launched a professional sales major in 2018, and we had a five year 
uh, enrollment goal of having fifth, a cohort of 50 sales majors within five years. We, we exceeded that objective within 37 weeks. And within one year into the program, we were already the fourth largest major in the school. And we were the fastest growing major across five university campuses of the University of Minnesota. So it, it's kind of an amazing story. Uh, kind of getting to your uh, curriculum and, and mindset question, which I like, uh, we really built our program around three tenets. Number one, we wanted to give our students uh, professional selling skills. We wanted to give our students business acumen, right? We wanted them to be able to know what a, a balance sheet is versus an income statement. They, they needed you know basic accounting courses. They need to have a, a pretty good breadth of business knowledge to serve as a trusted advisor for their clients. But at the base of our pyramid was the growth mindset. In, in other words, that it's that mindset that you're willing to pick yourself up when you're knocked down. You're, you're able to deal with adversity. You're able to deal with rejection. And so you're right, Joel. Mindset is everything when it comes to forging a successful sales career. But anyways, that's a little bit of the backstory on the sales program that we, we founded. And uh, that's a little bit of background on kind of our, our curriculum. So I'm happy to elaborate on anything else you might want to know about that. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just stunning that there is such there is and was such a disconnect with what's, what's being taught in the university. And then half of college graduates are in some sort of customer-facing role. And so... There, right there, you identified that problem. Talking about solving problems is sales. You came in, identified this gap, and said, "What can I create?" Right. So there's all these different ways we can look at this concept of mindset and and solving problems and sales. Whether it's actually selling a product, whether it's trying to build a program, whether it's trying to get a, a job interview, whether it's connecting with somebody to to build your network. It, it's all about like identifying. Um, what can I do to create value? You know, so that's that's the thread. And, and yeah, man, growth mindset. I was just thinking about this a couple hours ago. I was just um, thinking about how it's not like just success. Have you have you wanted to define that word? It's it's not about where you are in a given moment. I think it's about your trajectory, mm -hmm. and your trajectory is up to you. If you choose to have a growth mindset, I think that like. Growth mindset slash curiosity, which go hand in hand, those are the that that's the top soft skill. Yep. Because if I, you have that, you can you can do anything you want to do, you know? And you can, even if you're not at, at that place of success in that moment, you can always get there. So tell us more about this this storytelling concept. Sure. And um, you know, you we were talking a few weeks ago and you you were saying that you want to put more wood on the pile than you take. Sure. And, and tell us about what that means and, and how you can uh, really nurture this sales skill through the power of story. Well, yeah, let me, let me just kind of, you, you, you hit on a couple of uh, things there. And, and so I'm going to kind of tee it up this yeah, way. Sure. You, you know, we were talking about sales and we were talking about how academia is so far behind but the reality is every student, every listener, you know, that's that's listening to this podcast, the, the likelihood is they're going to probably go on the biggest sales call of their life, which is a job interview. Right. 
only you're not you're not selling butter you're not selling software as a service you're selling yourself and so that really ties into the power of story because i believe i believe the shortest path between two people is a story and if you look at the neuroscience behind story there's a, an amazing author by the name of K- kendall haven who's done a lot of research uh, cognitive science psychology the human human beings uh, have are, have been hardwired. We've evolved to uh, uh, communicate and relate to and make meaning in our communication through storytelling. In other words, human beings are hardwired to be storytelling animals. And so, as a matter of fact, we're so hardwired for story. There's actually a uh, Kendall Haven has a hypothesis called that we all have a story neural net. So before we assign any meaning to communication, we actually think in story narrative terms. As a matter of fact, research has shown that story narrative structure in infants' brains precedes language development. So that's how hardwired we are. So the the idea here is it relates to us selling ourselves in a job interview is we want to be able to tell our story, right? We want, but not only that, we want to be able to tend the story of the person that we're, that we're interviewing with. So that's why I named my company story seekers Mm -hmm. because real influence doesn't just come from being a good storyteller. It it comes from tending the story of the person that you're listening to. Hence the term story seeker. We want to be story seekers. So as we think about the job interview, right. And I love the fact that uh, you're teaching the power of using video emails right? To, to get job interviews. I was spending a little time on your site before the podcast today. I love, I love the tool that you, you're offering your audience to use, and I highly recommend that. But ultimately, I believe the most powerful opportunity for us to do story seeking is, is face-to-face. And the best way to do that is what I call informational interviewing, where, Joel, maybe I see what you do I see that I know that uh, amongst many things that you do at CrashCo, you're you're responsible for this this podcast, right? So imagine if you had a young student reach out to you and say, hey, Joel, you and I have never met before. I was referred by Professor John Kratz. I'd love to hear the story of how you came to CrashCo and how you got into podcasting. And my guess is, Joel, you wouldn't say no to that overture, right? So, So that's really important how you tee that up. Joel. You and I have never met or talked before. Professor Kras recommended you to me. I have a real interest in anything digital. I see that you're doing a podcast. I'd love to hear the story about how you got into podcasting. Now, more than likely, you'd grant me that access. And in today's pandemic world, that informational interview might not be in person. It's going to be over Zoom, just like you and I are talking right now. But the way we want to start out is in that informational interview, is I want to tend your story. In other words, Joel, I want to get you talking about you, right? And, and by the way, reciprocity, the influence principle of reciprocity ultimately means that you're going to reciprocate and ask about me, which ties back to your question about putting the wood on the pile. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're ultimately going to reciprocate and ask me to share my story, Right. And one of the things that you and I were kind of talking about the other day was I had a student 
who I was coaching uh, for a job interview, and we were talking about the importance of having a good story. And I think the biggest mistake I see students make when they're doing any kind of interview is they think it's about demonstrating their competency, when in reality, I think what they want to reveal is their character. You want the other person to conclude you're a person of character, right? That will fit in the culture, fit on the team, right? Nobody wants a disruptive team member on the, uh, on the team, right? And so we were working with this student. This student happened to grow up on a Southwest Minnesota farm. His father died tragically in a farm accident. His mom had to go work seven days a week to support his family. And he's pretty much raised by his grandparents. And he, one of the chores he did with his grandfather was split, cut, cut and split wood and stack it. And one day they were out working and the grandfather said, you know, son in life or grandson in life, I'd, I'd like you to carry forth the philosophy of putting more wood on the pile than you take. So when he shared that story with me, I said, that is brilliant. I want you to share that interview or that story. When somebody says, so Joe, tell me about yourself, right? You don't need to go into a litany of, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana in 1958. I grew up in Northeast. They don't want to hear that. But if you were to say something as simple as, well, I grew up on a farm in Southwest Minnesota. I was raised by my grandfather. And one of the things he instilled in me was to put more wood on the paw than you take in life. That's it. That's your answer to tell me about yourself. Now, the person interviewing you is going to be curious and they're going to want to know a whole lot more and they'll ask follow-on questions. But that question, tell me about yourself, you want to nail with a character story. Did I, did I yeah. answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's okay. amazing how even just highlighting that for a minute there, the story about the student who, who was raised by his grandfather I think right now you were tapping into everyone listening there, that little mechanism in the brain you were talking about earlier. It's like, there's a, Oh, here's a, I'm, I'm imagining this scene of somebody on a farm and then there's a wood pile and there's a grandfather right there. Like the mechanism of that's, that's you're, you're saying, which is very interesting that that's in the brain before you even learn to speak. I think that that was, everyone was, was at least somewhat engaged through that because you started describing a scene. Right. And so it just really just speaks to the power of that. And, and yeah, it ties into the curiosity piece when you're saying seeking out someone else's story, that's what sales is about trying to figure out, you know, what, whether it's a prospect, figuring out what their specific needs are, their specific pain points, or just a company, right. You're trying to pitch yourself to a company, seek their story, seek what trajectory they're on seek what specific needs they have right and that can be that can be powerful in a video pitch in the job interview itself and um oh yeah i wanted to just mention i'm glad you mentioned the the bit about you know if someone were to to reach out to to me joel and say hey i see you're hosting the podcast tell me your story yeah that first of all that is so rare unfortunately yeah. To have that level of personalization, even though it's pretty basic, that you're going to stand out just for that very fact that you did that. You're going to stand out. And then you're speaking to the human need. You know, talk about human connection. You're speaking right there to a need for, for, vis for visibility, to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
this person wants me to tell my story. Oh yeah. I'm like all humans want to be known, right. To, to express, talk about themselves and for some other human to see that that's a very core human need. So it can be very win-win and, you know, in a more practical approach, you're talking about build, build a network to support your job hunt, right. Engage on, you know, this platform, like, like LinkedIn, which has so much possibility. Yeah. Just spend a few minutes figuring out, looking at their profile and figuring out what you're interested in, what you're curious about, what strikes you and just personalize. I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this. Uh, even even more so than I can with with um, the number of people you've interacted with over the years. Just how how um, how often we you might get a message that's not personalized, right? Hey, let's connect, right? No, nobody yeah. really likes getting those. So whether it's building a network, whether it's job interview, whether it's uh, video pitch, telling your story and being interested in other people's story. That's story. That's what that's what it's about, right? I I think you nailed it and I and I love the word and I love your use of curiosity. It's in 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 you know when we talk about curiosity, I mean sincere curiosity. Right? I'm I'm not saying to fake curiosity. It's yep. about sincerely being curious about the other person's story. And just by tending the other person's story, listening to their story, tending their story, following the emotional breadcrumbs that they put on the table, right? Uh, you'll be amazed what people reveal uh, to you. And it's really, I, I believe that real influence, real influence comes from listening, not talking. Love it. So tell us more about, about StorySeekers.us sure. and what the specific you know, purpose and, and value of that organization, is. what are you all offering? Well, the uh, StorySeekers.us, uh, initially, we were, were founded to enable salespeople to build emotional connection and trust early in a sales call. Uh, buyers really don't care what you know. They really don't care too much about your product until they at least can meet that primordial need that they actually trust you and you're worthy of listening. And so what we were teaching was how to share a customer hero story of a, of a relevant peer. So if I'm selling software and I'm calling on a, uh, an IT technology director, if I would come in, I might say, hi, Joel. Um, I, I don't know if there's, you know, thank you for taking the meeting with me today. I don't know if there's alignment between what you're looking to accomplish and how we help other companies. But can I tell you a quick story about another IT director we worked with recently, just 25 miles down the road from you? Sounds great. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so, but you see, it's it's a peer story, right? Because I'm I, I just yeah. offered up a, a a story of a peer, another IT director, just 25 miles down the road. Now that the whole idea, if we if we want to talk about initiating a buy cycle, right? or initiating somebody discovering for themselves they should do business with you, it really starts with, back to the magic word that you nailed, curiosity. We want to create curiosity. We want to create favorable interest and establish trust and belief. Before we ever talk about the merits or pitching the benefits of our product, we, that trust is everything, right? And so we, we initially started that, but the more we got into it, 
the more we realize it's not just what great salespeople do, right? Great salespeople are naturally really good storytellers. But the problem was a lot of our people going through our courses, they a lot of them actually were quite good at it. They were intuitive at telling stories, but they didn't have a framework and they didn't really understand story structure, which means they couldn't teach it to others because they did it intuitively, right? And they couldn't make it scale in their organization. So what we do is we'll come into organizations and literally show them how to find, build, stories around a story structure that neuroscience shows to be effective and help them scale it in their organizations. And as a result of working with salespeople, we started to realize it's not just what great salespeople do, it's what great leaders do, right? It's what great talent acquisition recruiters do. It's what great job seekers do. So it's really what great people do. So we now offer a series of courses for leaders, for salespeople, for job seekers, for talent acquisition people, because we all all need to be better storytellers. Because once again, our belief is the shortest path between two people is a story. Beautiful stuff. So that's storyseekers.us. Yeah. John, really appreciate your I, time. I appreciate, I appreciate the plug, Joel. That's oh, great. yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> and is there any other way people can get a hold of you, get in touch with you, or any parting words? Well, I, I'm a I'm a heavy user of LinkedIn. Um, someone told me that I'm a, now I've qualified as a uh, micro influencer <laughs> on, on LinkedIn. And a micro influencer, I guess, is you need uh, five thousand followers to be considered a micro influencer. And I'm sorry to tell you that I think I only have about forty four hundred, so I'm getting really close to that micro influencer. But the best way to reach out to me is John, just, you know, go into LinkedIn, search John Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z, reach out to me, connect with me. I pretty much have a policy of connecting with anybody that, that sends me an invite to connect with. And then I use LinkedIn messaging quite a bit. I use, I use it more than email. I mean, I mean, if I really think about my contacts and, uh, I'd love to, uh, connect and, 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 and be of service in, in any way I can for particularly for Crashco, because I'm in love with your mission. Awesome. Well, okay. Listeners pro tip, <laughs> look up John Kratz on LinkedIn and then tell him one nugget of, of wisdom. I'd love, that you took I'd love from to hear podcast. their story. I'd love to hear their story. Reach out. I'm, um, I, yeah. I'd love to hear your story. I'm inspired by your, the stories that you uh, put out, not only on your podcast, but just on your website. When I hear about these students that were able to uh, find success without buying into the story narrative that you got to go to college, right? Exactly. <laughs> we all grew up with that story narrative from our parents. Um, I, I just think it's great what Crash Goes doing. I, ju I just love it. How do I get one of those t-shirts, by the way? I've... Oh, man, that's that's coveted. It took me months to get a hold of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, I was, yeah, that's good stuff. Appreciate those words. And yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that to, to uh, apply what you learned in this podcast, dear listener, reach out to John on LinkedIn and tell him, hey, I love what you said about XYZ on the podcast. Say something specific. And and make yeah. it pers make it personal and and uh, and genuine, and that's the way to go. Well, yes, and and yeah, let me be sure to let me know that you 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 found me through uh, this great podcast.
Awesome. Well, really appreciate it, John. Yeah. And uh, let's keep in touch. I really appreciate you yeah. making the time. I No problem. I, uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at isaac at crash.co. 